0: What defines you? If I gave you a piece of paper and you had to write this statement, I am, what would you write? I am. How would you define yourself? If we were uh, meeting for the first time and you said, my name is and I am, what would you use? How would you define yourself? Would you talk about... The things that we usually talk about. Would you talk about career? Would you talk about relationship status? Would you talk about background and situation? Would you sometimes give people an indication by what you say about your bank balance? Maybe the way you dress or the things that you like to do. Like, hey, my name's Andrew. I love eating fine caviar. It's just a thing, okay? That's often how I introduce... That will come later. Rebecca's just trying to share my secrets. Sometimes we try and define ourselves by our popularity, for those on the gram, the number of followers that we have, or other times by our sexuality. And the question is, is that who you are, or is that just what you do, or what you have? And so this uh, series that we're in called ReU is talking about understanding our identity in the way that God has created us. First week, here was our statement, I am made in the image of God. When we understand that we are made in the image of God, we understand that we are made by love, for love and to love. Because God is not a singular God is, the word is used trinity, three in one. God is community. God is love. He didn't create love. He didn't invent love. He is love. And for us to be created in the image of God, as the Bible says, this means that we are created by love, for love, and to love. So that's our first statement. I am made in the image of God. Last week, we talked about this statement. I am changed by the truth of Jesus. The thing that we understand uh, when we follow Jesus is this, that truth is not just facts. Truth is a person and truth is a way of life. And this is what we understand when we look at statements that define us and define our identity. Now today, the statement for today is this one. I am a follower of Jesus. Turn to the person next to you. Whether or not you agree with it, yes, or doesn't matter right now, but just say this statement, I am a follower of Jesus. Now, I prefer this statement personally than the statement Christian, and I'll tell you why. We've got to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a Christian today? What does it mean anyway? When this word Christian was initially used, it was... Uh, when it was used, it was used as an insult. And it was used uh, in the New Testament at the time of the writing of the Bible about um, a description of little Christ. And it was these group of people, these group of early believers and early followers who were so committed to living like Jesus. You know, God has called us. To live a life that is unmistakably Jesus. He has called us to live a life that is unmistakably Jesus. So what does it mean to be a Christian? For some people, it has lost its meaning. It means a number of these things. Some people, it just means the religion of my family. It's just like, well, you know, my mum was a Christian, and so it's just a label or a brand. For other people, it's about the things that I do on location. Okay, so right now I'm in the church environment, so I'm doing the church thing. So, so for some people being Christian, is yes, I go to church, I lift my hands, I don't lift my hands, I stand up, I sit down, I say hello to people, this is what I do in this environment. For others, it's then it extends, okay, it's what I do in this environment, it's also what I do in a time of prayer, or it may take some time to listen to a podcast or uh, read something from the Bible, and so that's what I do when I'm on location, and we have a tendency to compartmentalize our spirituality. For others, it's about us choosing teachings that we like from the Bible, now, I grew up in the Sizzler Pizza Hut All-You-Can-Eat-It generation. Did anyone else grow up in the Sizzler? Come on, I see those hands. I see some smiles. This is great. Yeah, there's an anointing, a pizza a buffet anointing. My record, 17 pieces of pizza plus soft serve ice cream. I like to go pizza, ice cream, pizza, ice cream, and so on and so forth. And I hope that in some way I can give my boys that experience even if i have to recreate it in a home environment because those type of things don't exist anymore but in this environment and the sizzler generation it's the the buffet so it's like i'll go along and i can pick and choose what i like and this is sometimes how we approach christianity and we can say okay well i'm i'm gonna i like this i like that cheese bread but I don't like the spaghetti bolognese. I like this thing, but I don't like that. And that's how we can go through. We, we rummage through the Bible. We open the Bible up as a smorgasbord and go, yeah, I like the idea of helping people. I don't like what Jesus has to say about sexuality. And, you know, I, I I'll like this concept, but I don't like that one. And we can pick and choose. And the final thing that being a Christian means to some people is professionalism. It's like, okay, you know, how, how about, Pastor Andrew, you do this, because you're the professional. In fact, we pay you to do this. So do a good job. In fact, do a better job, okay? Because this is what you do. And sometimes we can outsource our Christianity, and we can just say, just leave it to the professionals, We can have these things that, that's okay for you, but I have a real job. I am in the real world. I am just a volunteer. I don't know the Bible like you do. I haven't studied like you have. I haven't grown up in a Christian family like you have. I don't go to a Christian school like some other people do. And we have all these reasons why we are outsourcing and excluding ourselves from Christianity? Have a look at that list. What do you think challenges you the most out of those in your experience, or maybe something that you've had to work through? Now, I'm not against the term Christian. I think it is a powerful term. But when we understand our identity as a follower of Jesus... The reason that I like it, it is action-orientated. Being a follower of Jesus and labelling yourself and putting yourself with that, that, uh, that banner over your life, over your heart, over your actions, it's action-orientated. And it talks not just about what, but it talks about how. Here's the question, how should I live? This is what this statement addresses. Not just what I do when I'm on location, but what I do in every moment of every day. It's a way of life, in jobs, relationship, in our home life. And here's one thing that's really important for us to understand. There are no professional Jesus followers. Just let that sit in, sink in. There are no professional Jesus followers. We are all learners under the master of jesus and we never completely know where we're going i'm not a professional jesus follower because i don't know where i'm going it's still a journey okay it's something that i'm on the journey and finding out here's a great question when we uh, start to look at this being follower of jesus and the question is are you leadable are you ready to Maybe you don't have to work it all out, but ready to say, Hey, oh, man, this idea its maybe a little new to me. Maybe it's a little challenging. It's got to be challenging for all of us. But I'm leadable. I'm able to follow what Jesus said, did, his example, his words, his ways, and his works. Now, the thing that is so awesome about Jesus is Jesus lived the life that he's called us to live. So Jesus exampled, he came to earth, fully God, fully man, and he lived this life. So when we open the Bible and read particularly in the Gospels, the story of Jesus and the stories of Jesus, we understand that what Jesus experienced, they will be our experiences in some way as well. And so today I'm going to share a passage from Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, in this passage, Jesus shows us what it is to follow him and what tries to stop us. Now, this is a story of Jesus' encounter and his temptation with Satan. One of the things that I love about the Bible is that in different ways, we get a window into this whole other world and whole other dimension that we don't see with our eyes. That is the supernatural dimension. That is the heavenly dimension and in different ways. One of my favorite books of the Bible is Revelation. Early on in my Christian life, it used to scare me. I never used to read it, but I love it. And one of the things that I love is it just kind of lifts the lid on this cosmic battle that is going on. And not only that, that Jesus has The victory. It's really, really important that we remind ourselves we're in the day-to-day and we get this reminder that Jesus has the victory. Jesus has things under control and He is God. Sometimes and other times we just see a peeking or a peeling back of the curtain to this hidden supernatural dimension. But this is what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 4. Now previously, in Luke chapter 3... Jesus is revealed as the Son of God. So he's got his baptism. There's the voice of God. There's uh, this bird which is like a dove. And this is this, um, these identity statements. This is what we're talking about in this series, identity. These identity statements and these statements say this. This is my Son, who I love, in whom I am pleased. And so God saying this, he is the Son of God. Now, interesting... Straight after that baptism, it goes into this long genealogy and it traces the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam and finishes with this, the Son of God. So it's just a different way to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And so this is the setup. Now, immediately after this, we're going to read in Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit was led, sorry, left the Jordan where he got baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, some translations say desert. I'm pretty sure it's a typo. I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. It was some kind of desert bar, maybe like couch or something like that. Because this can't be right. This can't be good theology that jesus that the holy spirit would lead into the wilderness i thought he just led us to a dessert bar but anyway where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry and the devil said to him if you are the son of god this is what god had just said to him his identity Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdom of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I will give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Three temptations. This is the last one. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Jesus, uh, the devil is quoting from scripture here. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answers, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The temptation that we see of Jesus is an exercise in rationalized disobedience. An exercise in rationalized disobedience. What does that mean? That means when you want to do the wrong thing, you find reasons to justify that. In this case, the devil actually gave reasons from the Bible. Okay, so you can find reasons from the Bible to do wrong things, okay? So this is a lesson in rationalized disobedience, and it's a challenge to what it means to follow Jesus. Now, last week, I spoke about I was vulnerable. I spoke about the fact that I have no self-control with peanut M&M's. Okay? And it was my birthday. And for my birthday, I got from a friend, I'll work out whether it's a good friend or a bad friend, a giant bucket of M&M's. Thank you, Seth and Sharon. Now, are they good friends or evil friends? I don't know. We'll take a poll. We'll do an online poll. I have no self-control. I had some M&Ms, I gave some to Beck. she walked outside, she looked in the mirror, I was stuffing my mouth and she's just looking at me through the window, she's she's like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm eating M&Ms and I I have a really good justification for that. I deserve these M&Ms. It's Friday and it's Saturday. That's because, you know, you can have special treats and then it's Sunday and then it's the first day of the week. You can have special treats on the first day of the week and it's the night before a public holiday and then on a public holiday you can have special treats. So this is what we do. This is the human condition. We find reasons, very good reasons, sometimes scriptural reasons for us to do what we want to do. And Jesus, who examples what it is to follow God, He refused to do the right thing in the wrong way. And the devil and Satan's appeal was around his needs, was around scripture, was around his mission, and all these things. But Jesus refused to do the wrong thing, sorry, the right thing in the wrong way. And so there were three challenges ...that the devil uh, gave Jesus, and these are things that are challenges to us. And here's the first one. The first one is the convenience challenge. And the convenience challenge is this. God's power exists to meet my immediate needs. Now this may not sound right, but this is actually one of the main challenges... To following jesus so jesus was led by the spirit at an inconvenient time so right after he was pronounced the son of god so that's kind of the start of his ministry to an inconvenient place the wilderness the desert with an inconvenient request to fast he didn't eat for 40 days okay so then he's at the end of the fast so He's not breaking the fast. The temptation doesn't come to break the fast, but he he has finished the fast. I don't know if you've ever fasted, and you finish. It's a time of celebration with peanut butter and peanut M&Ms, hopefully. And the devil said to him, "'If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread.' And Jesus answered, "'Man shall not live on bread alone.'" Now, meeting a need sounds good. Surely that's what we should have an expectation that our needs would meet. There are promises of God. But here's thing, one thing that's a challenge. We need to know that with our needs, we have to trust God to meet our needs and not take those need, that into our own hands and do things our own way and disobey the voice of God that we know and do our own timings and our own methods. Eugene Peterson uh, is the author of The Message Paraphrase, uh, a great uh, pastor, author, and theologian. He says this, One aspect of the world I have been able to identify as harmful for Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. We assume if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. And here's what we do. When we don't take, have an immediate need met, we can take it as a sign that God is not with us. Who's done this? I've done this before. When we pray for something, when we have an immediate need, God, I need you to come through for me right now on this. God, I have rubbed the bottle, the genie bottle, and I'm pretty sure I've got at least two wishes left. And so we take that God is not meeting our immediate need as a sign that he is not with us. And God's just saying, I want you to trust me for needs. To be a follower of Christ, you're not going to get every need or every thought or everything that you can imagine met every time. It's just not good for you. It's not how you grow. It's not how you mature. Now, sometimes it feels painful. Sometimes it hurts, but it's not a sign that God is not with you. And we need to learn to lean in and trust and make sure that we don't do the right thing in the wrong way the product of inconvenience is irreplaceable romans chapter 5 3 talks about three things that trials produce that inconvenience produces that you can't get anywhere else first is perseverance this passionate patience the second is character virtues of steel the third is hope which is an alert expectancy you cannot produce these things within yourself without suffering, without pain, without waiting. This is what God uses to form us. So here's, my, here's what I want to implore you with today. Please do not live your life based on convenience. Please, you will destroy everything. You will not be able to leave a legacy. We can't live, those parents in the room, you can't parent your children out of convenience. Children are one of the most inconvenient things that could happen. They're wonderful, but inconvenient, please don't do that. Please don't do church out of a place of convenience because you will never form lasting relationships with people. And some of those, the strength of those relationships are built through pain and are built through conflict. Conflict isn't a sign that things are wrong. Conflict is a sign that things are moving. That's often how God works. And following Jesus means that we do difficult with grace. We do difficult with grace. And so I want to encourage you to play the long game with relationships, to build trust, to forgive others, to be resilient, don't make it about you, put others before yourself and be humble, this is what it means to follow Jesus. I inconvenience myself and what it produces in me is amazing. It produces hope. It produces character. It produces perseverance. That's the first one. The first one is the convenience challenge. The second one is the excitement challenge. And it's this statement, God's miracles exist to entertain me. So the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. We believe it's probably about 150 meters up in the air, straight down, the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, a challenge to his identity, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, sometimes we can bring a Disneyland mindset to church life. And we can think that church life and following Jesus and Christianity is about the next attraction. It's about the next thing. Okay, what's exciting for me? And we can reduce a life of following Jesus into a series of events. And I can skip from this experience to the next experience. And I hope that I'm entertained. And we can become religious tourists looking for that thing. We can have sometimes a dating mindset You know, you're all goofy. There's a few young couples. I won't single them out here, even though it's incredibly tempting for me, but I'll get in trouble um, later during the week. And you know, you're all goofy. You have your first date and your first kiss and then you get married and then you have the honeymoon and then the honeymoon's over. And you realise that you're two flawed people. That's sometimes... mindset that we can take and here's what we do sometimes we say when we are bored or have lost interest we can take it as a sign that it's some a time for something new or something exciting now don't get me wrong i believe in the passion and living with passion and excitement But we don't find that with a skipping stone mentality, going from one thing to the next. We find that actually located in the person of Jesus. And sometimes, you know that song, uh, if you've been around church, when the music fades, the heart of worship, and all is stripped away. In that church, I believe Matt Redmond, the worship leader, wrote that song. And the pastor of that church, you've got, think about this, you've got Matt Redmond, one of the most prolific songwriters and worship leaders. The pastor of that church says, in our worship, we're not going to have any singing for the next nine months. Something like that. Don't fact check me. I could be wrong. could be a different amount of months. Okay. But you've got a great worship leader. But sometimes where you find God, where you find the passion, the energy of the Spirit, is not always on the mountain. It's in the valley. And if we have this mindset that God exists to entertain me, and that's how we're going to follow Jesus or win the world, just by large extravagant things... I'm not against celebration anything like that don't get me wrong but if we we make it just about that we will never truly experience what it is to follow jesus here's what we've got to understand we've got to learn to abide and we've got to say that jesus is my permanent location not my entertainment destination we abide in jesus and it means that we are released to find the beauty in the everyday. That when I'm alone, when it, sometimes even when I'm feeling lonely, that I can find God in the moment, not just the miracle. Because if we can only find God in the miracle, we will limit the joy of everyday life. And this is what Jesus invites us to. I'm almost done here. The last one. The last one is the Achievement Challenge. The Achievement Challenge says, I can do God's work without needing to love and trust God. You're like, God, I got this. Thanks for the boost, but I got this now. You know, I needed you back then, but look at me now. How you like me now. The devil led him up to a high place. And showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll be yours. And Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Who has tried to do the right thing in the wrong way and ended up hurting somebody guilty okay we all do that and we're like but don't you understand i was doing this or i've got this job to make money or i'm providing for the family or all these kind of things and we allow we we don't allow jesus in our method we don't allow him in our how we don't live. We just say, oh, well, I've got this goal. And however I get to that goal, it's, a, it's an admirable goal or it's a noble goal. And whatever I do to get to that goal, and Jesus is like, no, you, you have to. The way that you get to that goal is as important as the goal. There's a guy in the Bible, very... A significant guy by the name of Abraham and God gave Abraham this promise that he would be the father of the nations and he gave this promise over and over and it wasn't working because he couldn't have a baby one baby he, he was promised thousands and thousands he, he couldn't have a baby with his wife And so what did Abraham do? He took matters into his own hands and he uh, hooked up with his maidservant and they had a baby. Now that baby's name was Ishmael. Now Ishmael is regarded both by Christians and uh, the Islamic world as the father of the Islamic nation. And so Ishmael and Jacob, they have been at war. Did I get that right? Jacob? Isaac. Isaac. Thank you. Fact check. We're on track. Isaac. So they are at war and those nations, those people groups have been at war. About over 10 years ago, we felt God call us to come to Brisbane to plant a church. And as we stepped out in faith and practically, we had all these doors close. And for me being a good Christian, I started to get intense. And I started to be like, get down on myself and say, Andrew, you don't have enough faith. You're not praying hard enough. I was getting up every morning early to pray, but obviously it wasn't enough. And I started to get really intense and not myself. And when I get um, too intense, I get too serious. And I don't laugh or joke and I'm not very fun to be around. And my wife, in her wisdom, she just said to me one day, you need to lighten up. And I did, and I was just like a switch. I was like, oh, okay. But I felt as I was praying that God said to me, I want you to release this dream back to you. Because if you push any further, you will create an Ishmael. You will create something that's not of the promise. And so I want to encourage each and every one. and there are some people I know this is a word for you today. Here's a question. That we need to ask ourselves is the way that I am doing this bringing life? Is it life giving? I want to raise my kids in the ways of God. I want to raise them to be uh, people of integrity and character. Is the way that I am parenting bringing them life? I want to provide for my family. I want to get employment. Is the way that I am conducting myself with the pressures of life, is that giving life? This is a filter because following Jesus and this statement, this banner over our lives that I am a follower of Jesus, it requires something of us. In fact, it requires everything of us. And we give up everything, but we gain everything. It's a beautiful thing. It seems like a contradiction, but it's beautiful. Zach, why don't you come back on the guitar? So here's my invitation. Not my invitation, actually. An invitation from the Word of God, an invitation from the grace of Jesus, is to define yourself as a follower of Jesus. not just someone with a historical Christian belief, or not just a sizzler buffet of picking and choosing what suits us, but to embrace a life that is unmistakably Jesus. So when people talk to you, when they listen to the way that you speak, the way that you conduct yourself, in your home, I've got to admit that I'm sometimes disappointed in the way that, you know, I'll snap or I'll, I'll say something or I'll act out of tiredness or frustration. But do you know what? Because there are no professionals, we all have the invitation of grace to return. We all have. The power to encourage one another, to speak life to one another, to forgive ourselves. And a sign of maturity, a sign of someone who knows what it is to follow Jesus, is how quickly you come back to Jesus. You know, sometimes we make a mistake and then we enjoy feeling bad about ourselves and we self-medicate and then we try and get a run-up. You know, I'm going to have three days of reading my Bible and then I'll be ready to come back to Jesus. And Jesus like, I don't work like that. The life of grace is not a singular event. It's a lifestyle. That's what it means to live in the Spirit, because it's the Spirit of grace. So let's pray together before we finish. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. And the invitation is open to follow you. It's a wonderful thing. When we follow you, we don't have to rely on ourselves. everything but we can rely on your grace so thank you that you invite us to do difficult with grace to find you in the moment not just the miraculous to find you in the everyday that you can be found not just in our biggest event or our greatest testimony but even in our darkest moment you are there Lord, I pray that this week we would commit to living our lives in a life-giving way. Ourselves, is the way I'm doing this bringing life, even if we're doing a good thing? And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Before we close today, I'd love to extend an opportunity. If you have never taken that first step to say, Jesus I belong to you I choose you to put you first in my life and I want to start the journey to follow Jesus and become a Jesus follower as everyone's eyes are closed if that's you would you let me know just by lifting your hand wherever you are and I'd love to pray for you thank you thank you is there anyone that would love to do that. Amen. Jesus, we thank you that you are real, that you are here. Lord, that it does take a step of faith, but you are grateful. And God, we just honor you in this place. We pray that our hearts would be energized with the life of the Spirit to follow you wholeheartedly. That we would open up every room of our house. Those areas that we may have locked off. Or said, don't go in there. But when you come in, you're like a fresh breeze just blowing through. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. What's going to happen? Right now, is uh, the team's going to bring us some, some food and some snacks and some uh, tea. There's water up the back. I want to encourage you. Uh, next week, we're going to take some time to pray for people. And uh, if you want to, if you have an area of need, we want to pray specifically for a breakthrough. Not because we uh, want to be entertained but because we know that the power of Jesus is alive and working. So see you soon. God bless.